you're listening to mom wife and boss life where we have unfiltered conversations i am your host yolanda villa hello today we have Alyssa DeRose, author of Momoir, a new mom's journey to embracing her not so perfect motherhood and i'm sure we can all relate um mm-hmm. thank you for being with us today Alyssa. thank you for having me i'm so excited to be here I've read your your book and I could relate to so many things. Really? Oh, yes. good. Even from the struggles that you faced in the beginning, you know, the med on everything, I, I could relate so much. And so I was really excited to have you here because I know one of the reasons I started this podcast was to let other people know, you know, moms, you're not alone. We're all in a, in this together. So I felt like that with your book. Absolutely. Oh, that like, that is the highest praise anyone could give. I, I know when you embark on writing a book, you're not really sure, you know, how it will be received by readers, but my heart behind it was to let moms know that exact thing. You're not alone and it's okay if figuring this new chapter of your identity out is challenging. And I don't know about you and what your transition to motherhood was like, but I was just wholly unprepared for the dramatic shift of priorities, of, you know, purpose, what it cost my career, um, my marriage. And so, you know, my book really became the outlet for um, sharing, you know, that process for me. Yeah. And I love your honesty because I think sometimes we don't want to share, you know, what we go through or feelings and emotions and it makes us kind of feel alone you know, that yes. no one else is going through with it. And, and it was just so refreshing to read your story. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Tell me just a little bit of yourself getting married, you know, your career. How did it all start? Yeah. So um, actually this weekend is my sixth wedding anniversary. So my parents are watching our kids overnight and we're staying in a hotel in the city. We're in the Chicago suburbs. So we're going down to the city for a night. So I'm married to Dan and we have two boys, Micah, who is four and Levi, who is two. And uh, I started my career out of college in a sales role and I've continued to uh, you know, do sales and marketing for most of my career. But when I had our first son, I chose to stay home and that transition was really challenging. And, um, you know, over the last couple of years have decided that I think I'm a better working mom. And so I reentered the workforce in October because a really great job opportunity came up. And so now mm-hmm. I'm back in agency world and working for a female owned business. Oh, um, so right. now, yes, but during my time of being at home, I put my uh, energy towards writing and wrote this book. So I joke that I was meant to be a working mom. So I created a fake job for myself <laughs> and, and wrote a book. Um, yeah, it's been a, now it's really interesting because the book is being released and um, life looks very different than it did when I first wrote it, but in a good way. How, how, what made you want to write the book? So I've always been a reader and I've always really been drawn to personal stories. I really like, um, I would call it the category of creative nonfiction where, um, you know, it might be personal memoir, but I was, I've always been drawn to authors like this. Um, I think of you know, really popular ones like Glennon Doyle or Rachel Hollis, who really invite readers into their truth. Um, And, you know, I, 
because of my passion for reading, I have always had a pipe dream of wanting to write a book, but didn't know if I was any good at it. And so when I was a stay-at-home mom, I just would, you know, carve out these little moments of the day when, you know, baby's napping or my husband would give me some time and I would write. And I submitted my um, manuscript to the publisher that ended up publishing my book. Um, They had an emerging authors program. And so I figured, well, hey, either they're going to like it or not, but this will give me that stamp of approval to let me know if if I've got a knack for this. And so I was selected as an emerging author and then they, um, you know, chose to pursue publishing with me. So it's kind of a, yeah, it was a really a cool entree into the publishing world since I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. And it's always scary to launch into something that you don't know. And for you to do that, being a stay-at-home mom, and like you said, taking those little bit of times how did you deal with it? Was there days like you're like, I just cannot write? Or was it days where like, I need to write this down? Yeah, both. And I would say, um, as since you have read the book, most of my material comes from my daily life. And so I would find myself just taking an iPhone note of some sort of like snippet or tidbit that I'd want to include in an essay. But of course, I think any writer will tell you that there are days where you're like, I am not cut out for this, or I have no ideas, or this is garbage. And so I actually, the, my first draft, I ended up throwing out about half of it and rewriting it because it just wasn't like the message I wanted to share. So it's, it, it was a bumpy process. I wonder if more you know senior writers or people who've done this before are able to, you know, become more efficient, but my, it was like the least efficient process ever to get from start to finish for me anyway. Yeah. You know, you were talking about your career, getting married, your anniversary before getting married. Did you want children? Were you all about your career? I think so. I had, that's such a hard question for me to answer. I think I have always thought, oh, I would have children, but I'm a, you know, a career driven person. And so I think I got really caught up in, um, you know, investing most of my efforts towards my career. My husband and I met in my late twenties and I had our first son at 30, which isn't young per se, but it was a little bit older than my parents were. And so I think what that afforded me was I got to have that career experience, um, and then say, okay, I've, I've kind of made it now we can start a family. It's funny because I'm married to someone with six siblings. He's from a large family. Mm -hmm. And before having kids, he would have said, let's have a bunch. And now we're like, oh my gosh, how did your mother do it? Like, I don't know how. (laughs) I feel like two is a lot. So it's just funny how your expectations definitely, you know, shift once the reality sets in. Right. And and I am the youngest of seven. And are you? Yeah. And I would always say, I don't want kids. I don't want kids. Um, I had my son very young. um, Okay. At 19, you know, in college. So it kind of, you know, it kind of went from, okay, forget college. I need to go get a job, go do this, you know, race. Right. But then I realized mm, I kind of miss that, that work environment. Mm-hmm. And so it was that guilt that I had, you know, in between, you know, do you go to work or do you stay home? And it was always a struggle because after my mom watching my kid for so long, I felt like I didn't know how to soothe him or know what exactly yes. he wanted. I just feel like there's no, and, and maybe this is my experience um, anyway, coming to play. But when I was a stay-at-home mom, I felt a lot of guilt, like I wasn't financially contributing to my family, or I was, you know, not putting that college degree I spent all that money on to good use, or, you know, my brain was atrophying. 
And then now I'm a working mom and I have the other side of the coin. Like, am I not giving my kids enough of my attention? Am I putting my work above my family? So if, if there's anything I've learned is that every single mom finds a way to feel guilty about something. And I think that as women, you know, that is the one thing we need to start you know, giving ourselves and each other more grace in because, you know, we're all doing the best we can. You're making the best choices for your family, but there's never going to be, you know, that perfect balance. Yeah. And I feel like that. Um, I feel that sometimes we put those expectations on ourselves. Yeah. Sometimes it's not our partners or the people around us. It's just us. Mm-hmm. For sure. And um, I think high achieving women for sure struggle at least. Um, I always have felt like, you know, more focused on accomplishing things than necessarily slowing down and enjoying my family and like taking in. And as you know, like they grow up so quickly. And um, if you don't pause for a second, you're going to miss it. I completely can relate to that um, with my with my daughter, my youngest, my eight-year-old, because I have my oldest is going to be 14. I wanted that. I wanted to get out of a corporate nine to five and, and grow a business, but she was only two years old. So sure. trying to trying to grow both, you know, was still a struggle. Um, but I wanted that time with her. Right, right, for sure. Um, so tell me, you know, you wrote the book. How how did you feel, you know, telling your story out there? Well, I'm kind of at the beginning of that process. So the book actually publishes on Monday. Originally, it was supposed to be out in April, but with COVID, my publisher changed the publishing schedule, which I'm grateful for because I think it would have been very overwhelming to do in April. Mm -hmm. However, um, so I have advanced readers like you who got copies early, um, you know, either to read it for a podcast or just to, you know, provide feedback to me. And that's all been positive, but I feel like those are people who know and like me for the most part. (laughs) So now I'm, you know, when it gets released into the world, we'll see, you know, what, what people think. Um, It's definitely a vulnerable choice to say, let me go share my like highs and lows. Um, But I hope that that's the relatable part of it is that I was vulnerable. So We'll see. Um, I, I, it is, feels a little surreal, but, um, at the same time, it's a dream coming to life. So I have to embrace that. People that, you know, are going to read your book and everything. What is like the, cause to me, I love the fact that you also talked about your faith. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And was that one of the things that you knew right away that you wanted to talk about in your book? Well, so I don't know about you, but I can't seem to separate my faith from my life experience. Like it's very much a part of who I am. What's funny is I read back, you know, the work I did and I'm like, wow, I was like really connected to my faith and to God when I was writing these things more so than I probably am today. And I think that's just shows that in harder times, which, you know, really my story is motherhood was hard for me. So during harder times, I tend to like gravitate to one of those things that serves as your true North. And for me, that was my faith. And I hope that, you know, when others read it, whether or not they're Christian or not, they could at least identify with that piece of it. Like whatever it is that grounds you, is it your family? Is it your faith of a different origin? Is it, um, you know, meditation? I know a lot of people have different practices that, you know, bring that to, um, you know, bring them that peace and comfort. But for me, I couldn't tell my story without sharing my faith. Like it almost like it bubbled out. So yeah. <laughs> and, and that's why I lived it. Cause same thing with me, even starting the podcast, I was always like, uh, should I talk about it? Should I not, you know, just right. you know, because it's an audience, it's a big audience. You don't know how they're going to feel. But I was like, it's just part of who I am. 
Yes. So especially, you know, dealing, you know, juggling careers and, you know, kids and everything when I'm feeling down, when I'm anxious, that's what I go to. Right. Right. And so, I mean, my hope, I had a couple of women read the book early that are not Christians because I wanted them to, to read it and provide feedback on whether or not it felt preachy or prescriptive because I didn't want them to feel like excluded or that I was saying like, this is the only way to do like that. This is the right way. I, and the feedback I received was that it was, you know, clearly my story, but not necessarily like you know, again, prescriptive. It wasn't something that someone had to do. And I think you have a tendency to be that way also. Anyway, I, that's my hope is that it, it <laughs> yeah, just is a reflection not, of me. Yeah. yeah. And, and, it, and it shows, and it shows on the book that it's just part of you. It's not, you know, trying to push an agenda or anything like that. It's yeah, exactly. So how are you right now juggling it all now that the book is going to come out? You know, you have the kids. How does that working out for you? Well, you are catching me on a great week because I am on day five of having a nanny for the first time, and it is amazing. I don't know how I have lived my life before this, but we had been juggling just, you know, college babysitters this summer who were in the neighborhood, and when they were going back to school, we were faced with the question of, do we send our kids back to daycare, which is where they had been you know, for a number of reasons, we decided that that was probably not going to work best for our family, mainly that if one of them gets sick, both of them have to be home for 72 hours. And that's really unreliable for my job and my husband's job. So we found this wonderful nanny. And so she is how I'm juggling it all now. I have her from eight to three 30 every day. And she's helping me with taking care of my kids and doing preschool with my older son. And it's creating space for me to do my job and then also to get ready for the book launch. So I I am on cloud nine, girlfriend. I (laughs) I cannot, I like, seriously, I, it's a little more expensive than daycare, but worth it in a pandemic, I would say. Peace of mind. Yes. Peace of mind. Um, And so I know every family is having to navigate this new normal and what that looks like, but we feel very fortunate to have found her. I love that because um, right now I'm currently pregnant and I haven't even announced, I'm going to announce it this week. Oh, well, <laughs> then congratulations. Um, That's amazing. And I had, I'm like, you know, everything that you talk about, you know, in your book, you know, I can relay right now. And then right now you're talking about the nanny. I had been talking to my family about it. I, you know, I still have to work. I still, you know, I want to take a break for a while, but I, I want to go back at it just because yeah. I know it's just me. Like sure. I'm not going to lie to myself and say, oh, you know, I'm just going to stay at home for a while, you know, because right. I know the the urge is there to go back into the office. Yes. And I think in, when kids are young, you know, your, your other children are older, but like the amount of attention a newborn baby needs is like so much more. And so <laughs> we haven't made our decision on whether or not we'll think about having another child or not. But I, I said to my husband last night, I was like, you know, now that we have this nanny, having a third child doesn't sound as intimidating. <laughs> That's why I would not like you said that because I was just discussing it with him. And I'm like, you know what? I was thinking, you know, when the baby's a couple months older, like, I think I want some help. Yeah. Uh, Even if it's part time. Um, And I think one thing my friend who's had a nanny counseled me on, she's like, you just want to find someone, one, they're in your home. So you want to be comfortable with them being in your home. But two, that views this as like being an extension of your team. Mm -hmm. And so this girl just takes a lot of pride in her work. She's coming prepared with fun activities and a game plan. My kids are feeling loved. And 
I mean, your kids are the best um, indicator of whether or not they're being well cared for. I think my four-year-old would cry if, you know, someone was arriving, he didn't want to spend time with, but they're very excited when she gets there in the morning. So um, that's my advice. If you do start thinking about finding someone. I'm very happy for you. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And and that's and I can relate to you um, because and just going back into your book, just a little part of it. Yeah, um, sure. You were talking about, you know, your miscarriage. Yeah. And your pregnancy. And and, and that recently happened to me. Oh, I'm sorry. So it was such like a feeling to know, you know, the struggles and everything. And then, you know, being pregnant again and being yes. scared and kind of being like, oh my gosh, it's happening. Yes. Well, and I think, I mean, we know so many women experience miscarriages. It's kind of this unspoken, um, silent suffering or grieving that happens. But I like to think, bring it back to my faith, but I know had I not miscarried, I wouldn't be the mother of my son, Micah, because like that wouldn't, the timing wouldn't have worked. Right. Yeah. And so I just feel like that was God's plan for our family. Um, and I can't imagine my life without him, but at the same time, I think I was robbed of enjoying my pregnancy with him because I was so scared the whole time that it was going to happen again. Um, And so by the next pregnancy, when I had Levi, I think there was a lot more space between it. I'd had, you know, I I knew my body could carry a healthy pregnancy. You know that, Um, you know, and so kind of clinging to those truths. But at the end of the day, if motherhood is nothing, if it's not um, releasing control <laughs> um, about everything. Absolutely. And so there's just like that taking the leap and faith, you know, leap of faith and trusting that God will bring you to the yeah. end of so, so when I was reading your story, I was like, oh my gosh, I can relate for that so much of, of being scared. And even like you said right now, not enjoying it for the first couple of months because you're scared. Yeah, just being so vulnerable with that. And and it's like that, like, you know, people say, oh, you know, it happens to a lot of women and it's so natural, but you still kind of feel alone in it because not a lot of people talk about it. Absolutely. And so, I mean, for me, I, as I started, even before I wrote the book, I, on social media, shared openly about that experience. And I used to blog and whatever, but what was incredible was the outpouring of women that said, oh my gosh, you've put into words my experience of loss. Because for me as a like, spiritual person, like I felt like there was a soul in my body and no longer that soul was not with me anymore. And so that like that I, you're grieving the death of that, um, even if it's like a short-lived pregnancy. So I found a lot of purpose in that and just sharing that story out and recognizing that I could bring women comfort who you know, didn't know that other people were going through the same thing. Right. And, and, and that's why I said, like anybody, you know, that's listening to this starting motherhood, planning to start, get the book, because a lot of the times we think it's just, you know, a clear cut line. Everything's great. Everything goes as planned. And it, it truly doesn't. No, it really doesn't. I don't know about your other pregnancies, but I don't, I don't know that I've talked to anyone who's like, oh, everything just was smooth sailing. It seems to always give a couple hiccups along the way. I can only imagine what it's looking like, um, you know, in COVID right now as a pregnant woman, like, you know, maybe it's, it's, go, it's scary. <laughs> go without your partner to appointments yeah. and go less frequently to see like ultrasounds and things. Um, so anyways, I'll be praying for a healthy pregnancy. I'm happy for yeah. you. Thank you. What is one advice that you want women to get from your book? Like one thing. I think the underlying theme really is accepting that it's okay if you are not okay. And the reason I say that is a lot of us 
you know, especially in a social media culture where we're all like putting on this like perfect, um, you know, facade of this is our perfect life. If you're not okay, it's okay. It's normal. Ask for help, invite people you trust into that part of your story. Um, you know, becoming a mom is probably the single greatest identity shift that will probably, that will happen in your life, maybe next to getting married. And so I would just encourage women to reach out for help and admit, you know, that this is hard because once the help is received, you're freed to have an enjoyable motherhood, or at least my, you know, through that healing process, I've really been allowing, been allowed to have a, an enjoyable version of motherhood versus the hard one I had been suffering through. And yes, definitely. And like, you know, we talked about it earlier, knowing, you know, the expectations that we put on ourselves. Oh, hundred uh, percent. <laughs> so yeah, we're our biggest critics, you know, we, we are, we are. And I think that we have such a picture and, you know, you, you said it about social media. I always say that too. We see social media, the kids, you know, perfectly done homeschooling, everything, yeah. juggling everything. And then you don't see the back end of it, that it's not so perfect. Yeah. Chaos. But I just also, um, I really want to underscore just like the mental well-being of women. I think there's not a lot of information given in the pregnancy process about what can happen to your mental health as a result of like postpartum. Um, I actually started to experience, I think, I think it's called perinatal anxiety, which is like anxiety while you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, experience both postpartum depression and anxiety as a result of delivering my children. And just had no idea. I, I almost translated it as I must be bad at this or I'm failing or clearly I wasn't meant to be a mom, which like, those are some sound bites that if you're thinking those things about yourself, you're most likely not in like a healthy, well, um, well space for your mental health. For me, I wish someone would have counseled me on some of those things to look out for so that when I started to experience them, I had a game plan to pursue Like, you know, I use medication or just like talk therapy or, you know, whatever, it would have been helpful to know. So absolutely. We have the same experience. I had my son young, so I thought it was just that. Yeah. That you just weren't prepared or something. Yes. I'm not prepared. I'm young. I, you know, when I get older, you know, I should, if I would have had him older, I would have known what was going on and no one ever talked to me. No, you know, these are the feelings, you know, that could happen, you know, your mental health. So now that some of my friends are having children and I see that on them, I, mm-hmm. I try to reach out, try to make sure they're okay, sure. try to reach out a hand because, you know, we've been there. Yeah. And I think we've been there is like, that's it. Like I've been there. There's not, you're not, you know, there's nothing that you can do or not do to experience postpartum depression. It's just, you know, the cards that are, you are dealt as a result of like how your body reacts to the hormone shifts that happen. And so um, I think a lot of times we have stigmatized mental health and maternal mental health specifically. And so, um, you know, one thing that I want to come out of my book is that it's okay to admit if your mental health is not, you know, where you'd like it to be as a result of motherhood and it is something that can get better. So absolutely. Yeah. And, and I agree with that with a hundred percent me telling my friends, Hey, you try to reach it to a therapist, you know, mm-hmm. because even with me, I didn't do that till the, to my second pregnancy afterwards when my daughter was a little bit older and I felt like it, I was kind of being a bad mother, mm, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, reaching out to someone, someone told me, Hey, you know, you should try this. And right. so that, that helped me a lot. And so now I try doing that, you know, for other people. 
Absolutely. Well, it sounds like you're a good friend to have. And I think also a lot of women, I mean, having like real community, if you're juggling a career and a relationship and other responsibilities, it's hard to like have deep friendships with women um, or make space for those in your life. And I know I'm like so blessed to have really awesome women in my life that I can have real conversations with, but that takes effort and investment. It's two ways. And so, you know, if anyone listening is struggling to build that community and of course now it's harder than ever, but finding those things or places of interest that you can just reach out and put yourself out there to meet friends because mom groups are everywhere. Working mom groups are everywhere. Um, but that connection of someone who knows what it's like, your life is like right now is so huge. Yeah. Again, it's like, it's your first time through this. So there's, it's not going to look perfect. Yes. Let our listeners know where they can find your book. Um, so my book is available on Amazon and mm-hmm. um, you can just look it up under mom War book. It will be released officially on Monday, August 31st. How exciting. And yeah. where can they find you on social media? Where can they find you on social media? Oh, sorry. That was such a basic question and I missed that. Um, my, I'm Alyssa B. DeRose. So Alyssa B. DeRose on Instagram and Facebook. Got it. Well, it was great talking to you, Alyssa. Likewise. Uh, Thank you for listening to another episode of Mom, Wife, and Boss Life podcast. You can continue the conversation online by searching Mom, Wife, and Boss Life on social media or visiting our website at momwifeandbosslife.com. Thank you.